The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V. That's A-A-F-M-A-A.com slash LL, the number four, V or clicking the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the U.S. military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans, and today I want to help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. Own your transition, own your journey, own your life. Um, uh, you know, I, lo- I love saying it. Nobody else is responsible but you. Now, some people can get overwhelmed by that. But what I mean by that is most factors in life, there's choices for you. Do you want to succeed? Do you want to fail? Do you want to be bogged down, overcome by events? Or do you want to overcome them? So if you own your journey and go after it, the decisions. We talked about the drill sergeant decision. That was me. I was going to own that decision, the good and the bad that came from that. So mm-hmm. for me, it's all about their, that mindset of I'm going to own this self-accountability and responsibility. Hello, we learned that in the military and it's beat into us. That's what I'm going to do when I get out. I'm going to have that and move forward and I'm going to own it. But I think it goes everything in life is it's very easy for anybody in any walk of life to get down. It's very easy for anybody in any walk of life to be the world's against me, but it's also the simpler, you know, just as easy, quote unquote, to flip that around and say, I can do this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to own my journey and do it. And that's why I always say it because a lot of people, especially in the veterans can get, you get mad. You're disgruntled. Like I'm, I'm experienced. I led service members overseas. I commanded a warship. I command, you know, flew a, flew a jet airplane. And now you, you don't think highly of my skills. Mm-hmm. own your journey and make the best of it. Well, welcome back for another episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast. This is part two of our podcast interview of Herb Thompson. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I recommend you hit pause on this episode and go back to last week and listen to part one. Herb has so much great information to share, and we're going to finish up the episode today talking about 
how he used the military decision-making process to plan his transition. He'll talk about some of his biggest lessons learned and just bring you lots more great advice. So welcome back to part two of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast with Herb Thompson. Another thing I really enjoy that you do is you do a great job of correlating the transition to the military decision-making process. So tell me a little bit about how you kind of establish that correlation and, and just go through that with us a little bit. Yeah, I think if you look at it like a mission, if you look at it like I'm just going to get out of the military and whatever happens, happens, it's probably not going to work. If you look at it, I'm going to get out of the military and somebody's just going to hand me a job because I'm a veteran, not going to work. But if, right. hey, I actually need to plan this and all of us learn it, whether it's military decision-making process or is it the troop leading procedures or is it what any other branches call, how do you lead in the military? How do you plan really? And then use that when you when you go. So for me, one of the key things in, in you know military decision make process. I mean, some people will say what's key is you you identify your facts and you identify your assumptions. So facts were this: I was Herb Thompson, retiring Green Beret with a bachelor's degree, and then I kept going down. My assumptions were this, and what I thought from talking with people. My goal was to move them assumptions, just like we did in the military, into the facts category and gain more assumptions so I can then make better informed decisions. After that, it was like, okay, we, you know, analyzed the mission. So I analyzed the mission, looked at what I had to do. And then we're looking at our course of action or our COA, COA development. So here's the three things I'm gonna do. I messed up. I had one COA and it was, I'm going there and I failed, but it was great because it was one of the best things that happened to me. But okay, now let me look at like, here's some different courses of action. I can compare them. Really, it's just different plans, not putting all your eggs in one basket. You grade them however you want to. What's going to work best for you and your family? And then, okay, let's go execute the mission. And as we're doing the mission, we adjust the mission. So it's all the things we learn in the military. Why would we forget all that stuff just because we put off the uniform or we're going to take off the uniform or we've already taken it off? I think that that is my favorite part of your book. And just the content that you put out there on LinkedIn is that you relate it so closely to the military and using the same skills you gained in the military to move through the transition. And it just kind of, to me, it demystifies the whole process. So. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I mean, we've, the transition is hard, but guess what? In the military, most, I'm not saying every service member, but most service members have overcome difficulties they've planned multiple or hard difficult missions they've done multiple things well if you could do it there it's going to take some tweaking like we're Mm -hmm. talking about and some translating and some massaging of things but it can work outside of the military too what what made you good in the military deep down in hard work grit adaptation um the ability to show up on time now that nobody's going to hire you for that but those things that desire, that discipline mm-hmm. is what's going to make you a successful civilian employee if you do some tweaking and adjust to it. And I always say this, now some people may join the military, be disgruntled, but most are motivated from day one, or there is somebody there like a drill sergeant or a drill instructor or some type of instructor mm-hmm. to motivate them. Right. But everybody's hard charging. They're like, oh, I want to get promoted and I want to do that. If you approach the transition in the same way, with all the skills you've then built in the military with the same zeal, the same motivation, the same, I just want to be a sponge and learn everything. 
you're going to be successful. If you join the military and said, hey, I'm just going to go through the motions. You leave the military and said, I'm just going to go through the motions. Probably not a lot of good is going to happen. Right. You will continue to just survive. Right? So exactly. Survive or survive. Mm -hmm. Yep. You got to make a decision yeah. as to what you want to do. I think that kind of is a good transition into, you know, you're very famous for saying, own your transition. I quote you all the time. Like as the great Herb Thompson says, own your transition, right? So explain that idea to me. Yeah. I, I mean, own your transition, own your journey, own your life. Um, uh, you know, I, lo I love saying it. Nobody else is responsible but you. Now, some people can get overwhelmed by that. But what I mean by that is most factors in life, there's choices for you. Do you want to succeed? Do you want to fail? Do you want to be bogged down, overcome by events? Or do you want to overcome them? So if you own your journey and go after it, the decisions, we talked about the drill sergeant decision. That was me. I was going to own that decision, the good and the bad that came from that. So mm -hmm. for me, it's all about their that mindset of I'm going to own this self-accountability and responsibility. Hello, we learned that in the military and it's beat into us. That's what I'm going to do when I get out. I'm going to have that and move forward and I'm going to own it. But I think it goes everything in life is it's very easy for anybody in any walk of life to get down. It's very easy for anybody in any walk of life to be the world's against me. But it's also the simpler, you know, just as easy, quote unquote, to flip that around and say, I can do this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to own my journey and do it. And that's why I always say it. Cause a lot of people, especially in the veterans can get, you get mad. You're disgruntled. Like I'm, I'm experienced. I led service members overseas. I commanded a warship. I command, you know, flew a, flew a jet airplane. And now you, you don't think highly of my skills mm -hmm. Own your journey and make the best of it. And I think that we can't automatically assume they're going to think highly of us because we commanded a ship. We have to explain why is that important? How can that be valuable and relevant in the private sector? We can't just stand on, here's what I did in the military and, and expect that to work, yeah, right? Because nobody knows. Yeah, they don't get it. They don't understand what that means. So very few people understand the concept of what you did in the military. They think it's completely different than what you what they're doing in the private sector. And it is up to every single veteran out there to explain it, to help educate the people that you're speaking to, because not all of them are going to be like me and just go out and try to figure it out. And that's just exactly. they don't have the time. Right. So they, they, if the hiring authorities is who we're talking about, they're just trying to get a candidate in there because they've got 10 other priorities that day aside from hiring you. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to be the one to take responsibility for translating, for helping them understand, for showcasing yeah. your value. That's got to be on you. Right. Definitely. And that's where you got to own that and show, make it easy for them. If you and I are talking and I'm trying to hire you, I need to be able to envision you sitting next to me doing whatever my job is or standing, whatever we're doing. And same for me, if you're hiring me, you need, before you're going to say, yes, I'm going to hire Herb. You're going to go, do I envision this person working either next to me or for me and doing well? And I don't really mean six months from now. I mean, on Monday or Tuesday of next week, do I picture that? So the only way they can do that is if we are able to articulate our value so they understand it. It doesn't matter if we understand it. It matters what they understand. 
I just want to point out that this isn't something that just came natural to you, right? You worked at it and you stumbled and you tried again and you talked to some more people. I, I think in your book, you say you talked to 2,000 people for informational interviews. <laughs> that might be a little yeah. bit of overkill. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to do 2,000, but I was guaranteed I was not going to make an uninformed decision. Uh, but no, I always say do one more. Do talk because how I started was I'm going to reach out and talk to other Green Berets. So I talked to them and I'm like, oh, let me talk to other Army service members. Let me talk to other service members. Now, each time I got away from what kind of my identity, if we go back to that was, I had to explain a little different because then people knew a little less about what it was to be a special forces team sergeant in my case. Mm -hmm. Then by the time I did that, and it wasn't straight and linear, I got to, you know, people who had never served. I was able to talk about myself better. And each time if I said, hey, I did this and they're like, I don't know what that means. That went in, that goes in the brain and go, okay, I need to talk about that a different way next time. Because, And then what did I say where they, not even, they didn't say that and they were just like, okay. And you're like, well, that was kind of a big deal. They shouldn't have just said, okay, <laughs> yeah. but they didn't want to like be mean and say they didn't understand what I said. So you had to be, a, be observant for that. And each time I got better of talking about myself, like my first resume thought I was golden. Oh man, it got chewed up. I thought it was good. Got chewed up <laughs> some more. My first elevator pitch, like I'm good, man, I'm ready to go. And then I started seeing where I can improve it each time. If we stay positive, if we're ready to adapt, we, we make it better the next time we talk to someone. I did the same thing with interviews. I did a bunch of interviews. And then as each time you interview and talk about yourself for an actual job or a graduate school, mm -hmm. uh, you're gonna get better of, ex you should in theory, if you're applying and doing a little after action review of well, how did that go? Could have gone better? Or what can I do better next time? I could then improve each time. Okay. Did one of those 2000 conversations lead to a job? It did. So I did not know it at that time. I wasn't like, oh, I connected with John, who is a uh, Marine Corps veteran who had got out and uh, went to uh, Vanderbilt. He was an enlisted guy, went out, went to Vanderbilt uh, to get his MBA and then was working in consulting at another, a different top tier firm than where I'm working. And I reached out, connected with him. We had a phone conversation. It went pretty well. We kept exchanging you know we had maybe one or two more calls we exchanged messages back forth comment on linkedin and then five months later he's like hey I, you should reach out and talk to this recruiter i think she's gonna have a real good job for you that was five months later there's no way i could have known he was going to be the key guy who got me the he didn't give me the job at my company he talked put me in touch with the recruiter and then on there from from there it was on me i had to do the rest i had to talk about it but he at least got me to the door, if not opened it. It depends how you want to look at it. And I think that's a lot of time. Out of that 2000, that was key. There's a couple other key ones that helped me for graduate school, but it's you don't know which one is key at that moment. So you just got to have them and you learn from it. And then down the road, it will pay off. Yep, absolutely. You know, and everyone talks about networking and how important it is. And it, you're right, it's critical to the job search. But I like what you said is like, they opened the door, but the rest of it was up to me. And so it was your preparation, your ability to, you know, talk about your skills and your abilities. So, you know, yes, networking is so important. It opens the doors for you, but you've also got to be ready to take advantage of that door being open for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so. You have, you have to, if you just, they open the door and you're still there. 
it's you know you don't say anything and you aren't ready to go talk about yourself it's uh, if you have stage fright for lack of better words or right. uh, amnesia it's not going to work so you got to be prepared to leverage that opportunity because people want to help you that is one thing i will say people are just going to give you a job because you're a veteran right but they want to help you many people want to help you many people will give you a moment of their time to either give you advice or to like hey listen to me tell me about yourself maybe you're a fit here you got to seize them opportunities. Absolutely. And, and I always say that people want to help you, but they don't know how. So you have to be good at asking for the right kind of help, like knowing exactly what you can ask them for. And it's not, you know, hey, can you get me a job? It's, can you connect me? Yeah. Can you give me a contact? Yeah. Can you give me some advice? Whatever it is, right? So yeah. just don't be tell me how you were successful. Help. Yeah, don't be afraid. I think it is, it was especially hard for me. It is for many as you're coming out and you go, Oh, I'm asked, I just want to connect with these people and I want to talk with them. And let's be real. I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a new career. What am I providing them? Well, there's many different things you may provide them. Some people just want to help out, right? They, they didn't serve or they didn't serve and they just, that they feel good about themselves by helping someone out. So they talk with you and you're able to share maybe some of your experience and maybe you're breaking that um, divide between the, you know, the civilian and the military um, between the two. So that can help there, but just get out there and talk with people. Cause if you, you'll get to know yourself better and it'll, it'll take you places, but you have to go do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. You mm -hmm. have to go do it. And overcoming that is a big step once you're able to do it. And, you know, I think that people really want to help people that are working hard for themselves right so if you just come to me and go i need a job help me and you put all your problems in my lap that's very different than if you come to me and say hey these are the, some things i'm working on could you give me some advice so that i can run with it right? that's a very different approach isn't it yeah and i think this will bring out the the nco in me or the senior nco in me <laughs> is that my friends even have come to me like, hey, I need a job. Can you help me? I was like, yes. Here, let's go to McDonald's.com and you can fill out an application and work at McDonald's. Nothing against working at McDonald's, but I know that is not what they want. But right. you got a job there. I helped you. I, <laughs> you need to know a little bit more about that. If you need me to make a connection, okay, I can make a connection. That's easy. There's no right. skin off my back. Hey, hey, Sally, will you talk with Jim? Send, boom, and it goes. So I think, but you got to know that you got to know what you want and do a little more refinement before you start asking for that. I always say build a little, uh, as much of a relationship as you can, like over, um, you know, especially virtual now in 2021, 2020, build a relationship. Maybe it's just a message every now and then back and forth. That makes it a lot easier when you ask versus the equivalent of you showing up my door, up at my door, knocking and going, Hey, how you doing? Will you review my resume? And I'm like, whoa, I'm calling the police. Get off my porch, you wacko. Like, you got to, you know, you wouldn't do it in person. Why are you doing it virtually? Right. Yeah. That is a Just great be normal. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good advice. So I know that it has not been all sunshine and roses for you. I know there were some no's. I know there were some setbacks for you. But, you know, what, what do you feel like has been the key to what you would call a successful transition? uh the the be positive that's easy and then adapting right okay. because whatever plan you're gonna have it's gonna change stuff's gonna go wrong the first grad school my dream this was my only plan i didn't have any alternate plans it went wrong and they waitlisted me and i was like crap i just wasted over a year of my life 
all this time and money, but it was the best thing that happened to me. And I was able to pivot at that point because I adapted. And all along the way, I kept adapting. So as I learned more stuff, I adapted into how I talked about myself, how I did my resume, what I was applying for, my approach and method. I went my first job interview, didn't get the job and my buddies work there. And I'm like, man, this is, I'm never getting a job, but I adapted. What did I learn from that situation to apply to the next one? And you have to adapt. I think that's kind of what makes you good in the military in a different sense is you adapt because usually you move units all the time. So you're adapting to new things. You move up in responsibility, you're adapting. So you just have to adapt. It doesn't stop when you get out of the military. So if you can keep adapting and stay positive, you're going to be successful. It may not be today, but you're going to get there. You will get there. Absolutely. So uh, if there's anything you could do different about your transition, if you think back to, you know, since 2019, what would you do different, if anything? Yeah, I don't know, because they've all been such great learning experiences. I've said it, and it was, hey, have have multiple plans and don't be so mm-hmm. dead set. And people were telling me, hey, I owned my journey and I went straight for something. And I said, I'm going to give this all I got. And I fell a little short. Uh, but there was some success that came from that. So I would say that. Uh, and probably one thing people, nobody ever told me, I moved when I retired and then I was trying to buy a house. And that was such a pain in the butt. Because, hey, I got my retirement paycheck and I'm going to have a job. And they're like, well, what's your job today? And I'm like, yeah, I don't have a job today. Okay, we can't give you a loan then to buy a house. So nowhere ever had I saw that. So that was like something I would do different was plan for that. Because that was literally my closing kept getting moved. And it was right down to that day whether I was going to be able to close on my house or not. And I mean, I'd already moved all my house of goods, everything. Like, where was I going to live? So it was... that is a couple of things I would, I would have probably paid a little more attention to that, a little more attention to benefits, the little things that maybe I'd look past of like, Hey, Oh my God, my kid goes to the dentist and now he doesn't have dental because I thought (laughs) it just carried over, you know? So there was a lot of like, I would have looked at some of those things that maybe are not important, but they'll be important at some point when you go to use them or try to do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good advice. I wonder, you know, if you maybe, would recommend get the job, figure out where you're going to be, and then try to buy the house. If that was maybe the different order that you would suggest, or yeah, I would. You know, it's all everybody's uh, different. I would say that's probably the smart move is to yeah. go somewhere rent right. But I, in my mindset, I was like, I've given 20 years of my life, I've built up this money. I don't want to do that. I want to get my house. Yeah. I want to settle down. I don't want to be moving a year plus from now. So it worked out. It just there was some stress, if you will, on it. Uh, so, but yeah, you, you definitely that's another option because I, I would say the difference is I moved to DC. So I knew there wasn't and I didn't have a job yet. Mm-hmm. But I knew there was no shortage of jobs in DC. Right. If I had been moving to say Lynchburg, Virginia or Pocatello, Idaho, that may not have been a, such a smart move because the job pool and opportunities get very small. Well, I have uh, been fortunate enough to see the view from your deck on another video. So I can understand why you really wanted to nail that house down. I get that. So <laughs> it's quite the quite a piece of paradise, as you call it. So um, so just as a, as a follow-up, so Michael Quinn started this great series called A Day in the Life. And I thought it'd be great to ask that question of you. So 
as a management consultant, if you could just give us a snapshot of what does a day in the life of a management consultant look like? Yeah, you're going to have meetings and you're going to look at a PowerPoint. Uh, we're done. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And there, I will say there's some similarities to being on a military staff, um, whether at whatever level. But yeah, you're you're going to have meetings. Your uh, PowerPoint's going to be involved because that is probably the main way that people use to present data and information. And you know, um, so there's that. But I mean, it all differs. You're giving a briefing to a client. You're talking with a client, you're working alongside a client towards getting something, and then you're briefing it to their bosses, you're briefing it to your bosses, you're solving problems, but it's not the way you want to solve it because it has to be done for your client, so they have to get approval, so you're working, this is where I went back to my, my Green Beret, is work by, with, and through the Indigenous Force. Well, the Indigenous mm -hmm. Force now is my clients. I have to work by, with, and through them to uh, get stuff approved, so I will say every day is different. That's that's probably the best thing about management consulting is depending on how you're doing. If you're on the government side, you may stay focused more on just one project, but otherwise you move from project to project and it, it, it never really gets old because you're always solving a new problem. You're dealing with new personalities and uh, new problem sets. Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So just to wrap up today, can I always ask that Last question, the same of everybody. If we had to give kind of your biggest lessons learned, something you wish someone had shared with you, or maybe even what your uh, Green Beret that sat you down shared with you, what would you say is that biggest lessons learned from the transition that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I, I think one of them, what him and I talked about a, bit, uh, a lot was graduate school. And I knew for me, it's not for everyone. So you know, a lot of people come to me, hey, should I get an MBA? I don't know. What do you want to do? But for me, what I was saying I want to do, he's like, then you need to get an MBA. I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And then he's like, if you're going to do it, go do it at the best school possible. Because no offense, there is some difference when you're talking about Harvard, which I'm not at, but I went to Cornell. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some directional school in the middle of Louisiana. No offense to any of the people, but it carries different weight when you walk into a company or you walk into an interview. So that was kind of one of those things. And it really made me think about kind of like in the military, I wanted to be in the best units. I wanted to be a part of the best units. Mm -hmm. So I should do that on the civilian side too of let me go. If I'm doing education, take advantage of that. If you have the GI bill, heck you can sometimes be getting paid to go to school use that go to the best schools or go to the best why don't settle for you know jim bobs over here but settle for a well-known capital one or amazon i'm not saying you know everybody has their opinions but it's kind of like in the military also if you were a green brain then you go to another unit which doesn't happen often or you were in some elite unit and you go somewhere else it carries weight that is instant credibility that is how a lot of the big time companies are whether you're management consulting, no matter what you're doing, financial, you know, investment banking, even in operations, you know, like you go work at Amazon for a few years, you go somewhere else, that Amazon carries a lot more weight than, you know, working down at Jim's warehouse. Yes. Uh, not that anything's wrong with either one, just that's probably some, you know, advice he kind of put into my head of doing that to get to where I wanted to go uh, was that. And that's why I tell everybody go for it, don't settle. It's going to take a lot of hard work, but don't settle unless that's what, if you just want to go off to, you know, go off, Hey, I'm just going to get a little farm and I'm going to have some animals and it's going to be downtime for me and the fam. 
cool. That's what you want to do. That's success for you. And that'd be the last bit of advice is success for me is different than success for you. And then for her, for him, everybody's version of success, you have to define what that is. I think, especially in 2020, 2021 with social media, you see stuff on LinkedIn or especially like Facebook, Instagram, you're like, oh, wow, life is all gold. Well, let's be real. Most people don't go on there and just tell you, hey, their day sucked. And like, cause they, they just don't. Right. So they have this facade, but it's their success, whatever your success is, own that journey and have your success be it. And don't worry about others. Like, oh, how many cars do they got? Oh, they got this job. I got this title. Oh, they're making this much. No, what do you want? What is it that you need to be successful? And that's different for everyone. That is great advice. And I can't think of a better way to end today. I uh, I really could probably keep you here for another couple hours talking, but I really appreciate you staying longer with me today. And just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing your story and your lessons with us. So thank you, Herb. No, thank you, Laurie. I really appreciate it. Please reach out if anyone needs some advice, but uh, just talk to somebody, talk to people. Uh, don't do it alone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends. Connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.